All right. Well, hey, good morning again. My name is Tad Anderson. I'm the lead teaching pastor here at Mosaic. Uh, And just on behalf of Mosaic Church, we're so glad you're here this morning to worship Jesus with us. If I have not met you, I would like to do that. So I will attempt to do that after this service, and I will beat you out into this breezeway so that I can do that. Um, But uh, that's just a running joke. I slip out the back, and anyway, all right, so go fast if you don't want to meet me, all right? Um, Anyway, a couple of announcements, a few announcements. (laughs) The first one is, uh, as my wonderful wife said in her in-person welcome this morning, uh, we do have our big partner meeting today. Uh, It's directly following the service, so uh, if you want to be a part of that, don't leave. Lunch will be provided. We have uh, gotten lunch for everyone. Childcare, birth through second grade is provided. So, uh, man, please join us. Vision uh, and direction for Mosaic in 2023 and beyond. Some really exciting stuff we want you to know about and be a part of. Uh, members and committed regular attenders uh, who want to become members. We really strongly uh, urge you to be here with us, even if you've not yet um, partnered, you've not yet become a member. Please stick around. This is for you as well. Um, uh, The next thing, like Amy said, is that uh, we will have a spring schedule uh, that's being worked out. We will share that soon with you. Uh, We'll have a membership class. Some have asked about that. Child dedications, um, volunteer team meetings, Easter, okay? Um, For Easter, we do a lot of stuff. So we've got an outreach. We'll have some some work days. We'll have a a Easter service, obviously. So there's there's a lot. So stay locked in uh, with the app and social media for these details as they're communicated. Uh, The third thing is that I want to celebrate our our very sophisticated and fun gospel conversation slash church invitation tracker uh, is filling up. That's the tube thing back there. Um, uh, As of my count on Friday, it's up to 32 uh, either gospel shares or invites to church. So uh, yeah, yeah, guys, let's go. All right, that's awesome. That's awesome. I'm so encouraged to see that. Hope you are too, that we are, uh, we're not playing church here, um, but we're being the church by actually striving to make more disciples of Jesus as he has commanded us. So, uh, man, let's keep that up. Uh, again, there's, there's a stack of invite cards back there in front of the tube, um, and so you can take those and get after it, all right? So uh, healthy churches grow, when the members are remembering to uh, live on mission by going and telling people about Jesus explicitly and urging them to come and see what Jesus has done uh, in the body of Christ here. So, um, yeah, so we just celebrate that. That's really awesome. Also, um, very near and dear to my heart, ladies, um, the men are stepping it up, okay? Um, (laughs) Men's ministry is up to 22 attendees, so y'all need to get recruiting because you're up again next week. Guys, uh, I, I don't know if you know this, but some ladies were talking some serious smack on Facebook this week, all right? Don't let them beat us. Make sure to make plans to be at our next men's ministry gathering on Wednesday, February 15th. But uh, really, just in all seriousness, both gatherings have been just really great so far. Um, relaxed, relational atmosphere, uh, honest, straightforward teaching and helpful practical discussion about being the men and women that God has called us to be. Anybody need that? I need that, right? So it's been, it's been great. So if that sounds like something that you need in your life, please join the club and uh, you'll fit right in, I promise. Okay, well today is an exciting day because 
We're starting a new teaching series. Our last series was called What Now? We were in the New Testament book of Acts as we talked about kind of the, the tangible, external uh, growth of Jesus' church on mission. But the series we're beginning this morning is called Get Wisdom. It's going to be uh, largely derived from the Old Testament book of Proverbs to discuss the uh, spiritual, internal growth of God's people. So uh, needless to say, I'm really looking forward to it. Let's pray and we will begin. Father, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for loving us so clearly and so powerfully in and through your son, Jesus. As we begin a new series in the book of Proverbs today, my personal prayer, God, is simple. Help. Lord, who am I to tell others how to be wise, to define something that seems so attain, just unattainable, like wisdom? But God, you have been so kind to outline these things in your word. So will you help me to direct your people to what you have to say? We all need wisdom. And the more that we gain, the more we realize we need. So this is a humbling topic, but I, I just pray a beneficial one for us as a church body over the next 10 weeks or so. God, we don't just desire to grow numerically and to be a larger church. That means nothing if we don't grow deeper as a church in our spiritual maturity and our obedience to your command. So please use this sermon series as you see fit to that end. And help me today, Lord, as always. My desire is to decrease so that love and trust in you and your word would increase here for your glory and the joy of your people. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, well, first things first. The way that we tend to teach the Bible at Mosaic is in an expository way. That means we usually will be in one book of the Bible and we'll teach straight through it from beginning to end in order to get the full thrust of the, the original author's intent via cultural and uh, literary context. Um, after Proverbs, closer to the summer, we're going to do that in the book, uh, the letter to the Ephesians, which I'm pretty pumped about. Uh, but let me tell you a few things that we'll need to know going into Proverbs. Proverbs fits into a biblical genre, okay, of wisdom literature. And, and even within that genre, Proverbs is unique, it's, it's unlike any other book in the Bible, really, and, and because of that, I believe that it's one of the most important books of the Bible. Uh, in the same way that the Psalms stand alone as kind of the, the songbook of Scripture, helping to form right articulation and, and feelings of, of Christian affections, so too Proverbs stands alone in, in what it provides for us, namely wisdom, okay, which we're going to get to that and define that here in just a bit. But I think it's necessary to orient us to the actual written form of Proverbs because uh, reading Proverbs is not like reading a narrative in, in Genesis or an instructive text like Romans, okay? Proverbs 
is very much its own thing, right? And I have been significantly helped by Tim Keller's work articulating the genre of Proverbs. And so as we move through the series, I'll be offering some insights uh, that I've gained from him as it's applicable. Uh, But first and foremost, this is what he says fundamentally about the genre of Proverbs. He says, a proverb is a poetic, terse, vivid, thought-provoking saying that conveys a world of truth in just a few words. They are neither absolute commands nor promises, and often they are partial. That is, they need to be put beside other proverbs on the same subject to get the full picture. They are observations about how life works. The the point of a proverb then is to get rightly related to reality through hard thinking and sustained reflection. Okay, so as Keller says, Proverbs uh, are, are poetic, like the Psalms, but they're kind of poetic in a different way. Proverbs are terse. That is, they are both brief, but also pithy, right, or, or forceful. And, and for that reason, they're, they're naturally memorable, Okay. Uh, For a long time, I've been striving to read one chapter in Proverbs per day. Uh, I may miss a few days here uh, or there in in the Proverbs, or I may kind of divert my Bible time somewhere else for a season. But I always go back to this practice because there are 31 days in the longest months of the year, and there are 31 Proverbs. Okay, so it it just works, right? Uh, And though I have read through some of the Proverbs upwards of 100 times, Every time I read through again, there are still ones I feel like I I haven't noticed before, or they kind of hit different in different seasons, or old ones that I've I've loved, but that are even deeper than I realize, that kind of, when I read them, they make me feel like, ooh, right? You ever feel that way when you read the Bible? (laughs) The author of Hebrews says, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it cuts us in the realm of soul and spirit. Proverbs has a unique ability to do this almost every time that I read it, Uh, and really all scripture does this, but Proverbs has a real knack for making you feel like you're not just reading the word of God, but it's reading you, right? (laughs) Are you following me? Okay. Okay. Also, a a really important principle in in any of our Bible reading is that the Bible interprets the Bible, right? That's why it's so important to us at Mosaic to do our best to teach and lead through Scripture in context, okay? But with Proverbs, it's especially true that Proverbs interpret Proverbs. However, uh, it's not always super linear, all right? Each chapter of Proverbs is not always only about one topic, and, and then like, it doesn't like, just progress on to another topic in the next chapter, like a, like a narrative or like a story. But in Proverbs, uh, a lot of concepts are going to be kind of covered in each, each chapter. And for that reason, the best way, I think, to teach Proverbs is to teach it in topics in order to see kind of the, the parallelism that exists between different Proverbs that speak to the same topic but that are scattered all throughout the book. And so reading Proverbs and, and seeking to gain wisdom on different topics, it's, it's kind of like putting together a puzzle in this way because 
No single proverb gives the entire picture of the particular topic that it's speaking to. And so you have to kind of pull several of them together to get the most out of it. So hopefully this kind of helps you to wrap your mind around the very unique but amazing and beneficial genre of the Proverbs, um, as well as how uh, we'll try to tackle this over the next couple uh, of months. One final thing I'd like for us to hit on really quick in this introductory section is the author of Proverbs, because I think that will lend itself to why we should go through an entire series in this book. We we find out in in verse 1 of chapter 1, that the author of Proverbs is Solomon, the son of David, who was the king of Israel after his father. And so I want to first read to you a passage about when Solomon becomes king in 1 Kings chapter 3. Uh, Solomon, just contextually, Solomon had gone to worship in this passage and uh, offer sacrifices to God in a town called Gibeon. And so here's what it says. It says, uh, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your great people? Verse 10 says, It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked for this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commands as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. So maybe you've heard before that King Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived, right? This would be the text, okay, where, where that assertion is, is derived. God himself is the one who says that that would be true about Solomon, and God is the one who made that true about Solomon. And I wanted to first take us to this passage because this passage is why we have the book of Proverbs, because God used the divine wisdom that he gave in abundance to Solomon in order to bless his people for thousands of years after Solomon. In Proverbs, Solomon has he's condensed 
so much wisdom that he received from God into these kind of little nuggets, if you will, for us to roll around and, and savor in our minds so that we too can grow to be increasingly wise, right? And I can't move on without pointing something critical about Solomon out when he asks the Lord for wisdom. Maybe you notice this. He is humble, isn't he? He is humble. He says, God, you made my father great, and now you have blessed me with so much more than I could possibly know how to handle. And Solomon was the king, right? And so he could have asked for kingly things. God said, ask me whatever you want, right? So really, it's just anything there. And so he could have asked for great military success or great prosperity or a great and honorable legacy. But instead, Solomon just says, please, God, if you give me anything, give me understanding. Help me to know the difference between good and evil so that I can navigate the, the complex task of governing your people well. And then it says that this request pleased the Lord so much that he went ahead and gave Solomon what he asked for, but he piled on riches and honor that Solomon had not asked for. And, and we'll see this principle show up a lot uh, in Proverbs, these kind of side-by-side -side truths, right? These parallel truths that, first of all, having wisdom is better than having riches, Amen. right? But also that those who gain wisdom are often blessed with a life where they prosper because they carry themselves in a prudent and godly manner. And so uh, from the example that we see of Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3, here's kind of the, the overarching reason why I wanted to, us to walk through Proverbs together in this season, but also why we should be people who stay perpetually in Proverbs in our own daily devotions. Here it is. Daily life in a broken world, is often convoluted. But God has been gracious to give us principles in his word that will lead to our flourishing. Okay. Anybody here feel like they have a convoluted life sometimes? Amen. Just me? <laughs> you don't have to be the king of Israel to feel that way, right? I have four kids three of whom are in city basketball right now. We have 36 basketball games between January 9th and March 18th. 36. Three, six. That doesn't include practices, okay? <laughs> I also have a, you know, maybe you know this, a relatively involved job <laughs> where I can't, clock out, you know. Uh, I'm also pursuing a master's degree. Uh, I'm also married, and, you know, I really enjoy my, my wife a lot. And, uh, you know, so we have to make time for one another somewhere, somehow. So it's convoluted. It's elaborate. It's intricate. There's 
a lot of moving parts. I'm sure that many of you can relate with that. Because that tends to be how life is, right? Not to mention the brokenness piece, human sin, error. We're not perfect, so we don't get through all that's in our life without some hurts and some hang-ups. But what we see from Solomon is that if we will humble ourselves... God will help us to manage our crazy lives. And in Proverbs, we see that God has already been gracious to supply us with principles in his word that if we will be diligent to hear and to follow, will lead to our flourishing. Amen? Now, the reason I said it this way is that God does not, wake up, God does not promise that if we follow the wisdom of his word, that everything will always be easy and that everything will always be comfortable. You'll search in vain for that text of scripture. The word flourish means to thrive, to grow, to be fruitful. A cactus flourishes in the desert. That doesn't mean the desert is a very nice place to live, does it? (laughs) I assume it's not. It's hot, dry, desolate, and dirty. But you know what does just fine and makes flowers in the desert? A cactus. Sometimes your life is going to feel like a desert. Perhaps it does right now. But if you will stay humble and seek the wisdom of God and his word, then you can still flourish like a happy little cactus. (laughs) Daily life in a broken world is often convoluted, but God has been gracious to give us principles and his word that will lead to our flourishing. And and that's the aim of Proverbs, okay? To, To give you the wisdom that you need to flourish in life as someone who desires what Solomon desired. A a firm understanding of, of how to live in a way that honors God, whatever he might have given you. Whether that's a kingdom, like Solomon, or the more common things, like a spouse and kids, a job, and so forth. God has given us Proverbs so that we can steward and navigate all those things with wisdom. So, we've discussed what the Proverbs are. We've nailed down what the aim of Proverbs is, okay, to give us wisdom. But now, like, what exactly is wisdom? What is wisdom? Well, that's a great question. Thank you for asking that. Uh, The first six verses of chapter 1 give us an overview of wisdom. So let's read those together. Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 1, says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction and wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear 
and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. So uh, if wisdom has this kind of dense, deep meaning, Solomon here is kind of unraveling it for us. He's, he's kind of fanning it out into these different facets, if you will. Okay, Understanding, insight, wise dealing, discretion, instruction, guidance. These are all different words that help us to understand exactly what wisdom is. I want to give you a simple definition in just a sec, but I I think it's really important that we see this. Wisdom and knowledge are not synonymous. Wisdom and knowledge are not synonymous. They're not the same thing. That is crucial for defining wisdom. Wisdom is not merely knowing what to do. It's understanding the intricacies of how to do it. You tracking with that? Following that? Maybe you've heard the modern legend of the time. Famous car maker Henry Ford ran into some issues in one of his manufacturing plants. There are a few iterations of this story, but fact checkers have determined that it's really true. Um, when his in-house engineers were not of any help in solving the problem, Ford insisted that mathematical and electrical engineering genius Charles Steinmetz come personally to Michigan there where he was to solve the problems they were having with these, these massive generators. Upon his arrival, Steinmetz apparently rejected all assistance and asked only for three things, a notebook, a pencil, and a cot. According to one historian, Steinmetz listened to the malfunctioning generator, and he, he scribbled computations on the notepad for two straight days and nights. And on the second night, he asked for a ladder. He was a short guy. You can Google pictures of him later. Anyways, short guy. Asked for a ladder. He, he climbed up to the generator, and he made a, made a chalk mark on the generator, the side of the generator there. Then he told Ford's skeptical engineers to remove a plate from the generator at that mark, and then to replace 16 windings from one of the electromagnetic components. So they did, and the generator immediately began operating again perfectly. So Henry Ford was thrilled until he got the invoice from General Electric and the amount of $10,000. Ford acknowledged Steinmetz's success, but at that time, the early 1900s, he could not believe that figure, right? So he asked for an itemized bill. Steinmetz responded personally to Ford's request with the following itemization. It said, chalk mark on the side of the generator, $1. Knowing where to make the mark, $9,999. Okay, so, so Ford paid it, right? And this is a little funny, so we, we laugh, but such is life, Right? So often, we can resonate with one of my favorite TV personalities, Michael Scott, who famously said, I knew exactly what to do, but in a much more real sense, I had no idea what to do, right? (laughs) In the relationally and technically convoluted circumstances of life, it's it's usually not that we don't kind of know what needs to be done, it's that we don't know how to do it. Last week... Another example, the toilet was leaking. 
at the base in the women's restroom here in the church lobby, so I knew what needed to happen. It needed to be fixed. Probably some kind of a seal or something like that. I don't know. Need to be replaced. I had no, no idea, but I had knowledge, right? Toilet leaking needs to be fixed. No idea how that would be done. A brother from our facilities team came up, took one look at it, said, it's the wax ring. Be right back. Uh, he was back in 15 minutes, had the tools he needed and the know-how. Job was complete in 30 minutes. Uh, no more leak, right? So uh, I had the knowledge. He had wisdom, just like Steinmetz with a generator. Now, uh, if you're interested in fixing a generator or a toilet, that's not what Proverbs is about. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> but if you keep having the same fight over and over and over with your spouse and you need to get a handle on that, Proverbs can help with the how. Or if your kids will not listen and do what you tell them, Proverbs can help with the how. Or if you're struggling with the right way to handle your money, Proverbs can help with the how. Or if you're having some relational difficulties with a coworker and really need to work through it with them, Proverbs can help with the how. You see, Proverbs specializes in the wisdom of how and all of these intricate dynamics of everyday life. Because... Um, Look right at me. God does not desire for you to keep struggling perpetually with all of these things and never figure it out. He is so gracious. He has given us wisdom in Proverbs to help us if we will just humble ourselves and come to him through his Holy Spirit-inspired word. Okay? And here in the first six verses of chapter one of Proverbs, we see the book's thesis. Here it is. The thesis of Proverbs is, if you know you need to grow and having good judgment, spiritual insight, and a biblical mindset, then you've come to the right place. Okay. If you know you need to grow and having good judgment, spiritual insight, and a biblical mindset, you've come to the right place. Here's what I mean by all these terms. By, by good judgment... I mean the ability to make good decisions. Who doesn't want to make good decisions, right? Sometimes in life, all we need is knowledge to do the right thing. For instance, if you get sick, you go to the doctor. He prescribes you medicine, you take the medicine, you get better, right? Knowledge. Or biblically, right? Some commands are simple. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't cheat on your spouse, etc. Right? Those things are simple. But not all of life is that simple, is it? <laughs> when it comes to things like who to marry, or what job to take, or when to do those things, or when to make a big life change, and so on and so forth. The Bible doesn't just give every one of us a, a roadmap to life where we just kind of go down the list and, and check all the boxes, that would be nice, wouldn't it? But there's, there's more to it than that. It's nuanced. And those decisions can heavily affect you and others for either good or bad. You marry a person who doesn't share your values and convictions, or you take a job that's going to put unneeded strain on you and your family, 
Are you up and move impulsively and realize it wasn't the right time to do that? Or you didn't have a very good plan, it was half-baked? Those would be bad decisions. Even though the Bible doesn't necessarily have direct prohibitions against them. But on the flip side, (laughs) to marry someone who you are really aligned with spiritually and and emotionally. Man, there's nothing sweeter sometimes than having a a husband or a wife who who gets you and who is for you and who is closer than any other friend that you have. Or to be patient and wait for the right job that will, yes, pay what you need, but that will also work with your family and life dynamics. Right? Or to to pray about where to live and to find the right house in the right place at the right time is such a sweet providence from the Lord. Isn't it those who have experienced that? These are good decisions. But there are so many other situational things just like this in life where there is no clear command in Scripture about how to do what you need to do. But where there would definitely be a right way and a wrong way to do it, right? Or a haphazard way and a well-calculated way, right? We need the wisdom of good judgment for this, okay? As believers, we also need spiritual insight. The Bible often calls that discernment. It's like the ability to see the whole picture when it comes to something like how to proceed in a tense relationship. Human instinct gives us two options, fight and flight. But if those are the only two options that we see in our relational struggles, we're not going to have very good relationships now, are we? No, we're not. The wisdom of spiritual insight or discernment helps us to see other ways to handle things that make for better outcomes. The the world tends to see people in simplistic terms. Good people and bad people, right? Good people are people who do what you want. Bad people are people who don't do what you want or don't do what you think they should do, right? Tim Keller says, Discernment helps us to see the the multiple dimensions of people's motives and their character. And this helps us to be more understanding, caring, and reasonable, rather than judging people too quickly or too harshly. So we need this kind of wisdom. And finally, there's a biblical mindset or a godly perspective, if you will. We need the kind of wisdom that helps us to understand how the world works. The the dynamics of how people tend to act in various situations and also how God's people should respond to different kinds of people and the myriad of of different scenarios that the world is going to throw at us. Again, there's no special like almanac or reference guide in the back of your Bible. There's some maps, but not that kind of map, okay? Uh, with, with, they're, they're, they don't show you every possible circumstance um, that you'll ever be in and precisely what to say and what to do. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> it's not there. 
It's not there. We need wisdom to guide us and instruct us. We need general principles that we adopt and then that we use as compasses and and rudders, if you will, to to get us through life and, and onto the best possible path. Without these forms of wisdom, it is possible to make a huge mess of your life. Okay, You might be a book smart person, right? Or you might even be a very moral person. But if you are not a wise person, you are going to make bad decisions. And you're going to lack discernment. And you're going to have a less than biblical way of viewing the world. And all of those things will make your life a lot more difficult and a lot less fruitful than you would like. Now, I don't know about you, but even as I'm saying these things, my heart is like, yes, Lord. Like, I still need help. I need the help of your wisdom so that I can keep increasingly living in ways that honor you. Like, left to my own, me, Tad, the pastor here, left to my own best judgment, I can make a mess of my life. And I don't want to do that. I can hurt other people. And I don't want to do that. I want to be wise. I want to glorify Christ, as we just sang. I want that to be true for me. That's what Solomon said, right? And so listen to this exhortation in Proverbs 4. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. He's saying if you want to flourish in life, do not focus primarily on getting more money or having more status. Make it your main pursuit to get wisdom. Get wisdom. Because if you get wisdom, there's a lot of tangible blessing that's going to come with it. Okay. So as we close, let me answer the question of how can we get wisdom? I just read this like three days ago and found the answer in my proverb of the day, so to speak. My wife says a proverb of the day keeps the folly away, so... Proverbs 2, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. 
guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil. So like a father to his children, Solomon says, how can we get wisdom? Ask for it and start digging. Ask for it and start digging. First of all, he says, call out for it. Raise your voice to the Lord and, and ask. Friend, prayer is so important. Talk to God. Tell him what you need. Jesus himself says it this way in Matthew 7. He says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask for them? The Lord gives the good thing of wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He has stored up wisdom for the upright. So if you need wisdom... Humble yourself and ask for it. Okay, James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But after you ask, get this, okay, after you ask, there's a step two. Don't ask. Don't pray for wisdom. And then walk out of here today, look up in the sky for that plane pulling a sign or something behind it or like... I'm going to go to Walmart and hope like a crazy wandering prophet bumps into me and tells me exactly what I need to hear. Like, no. <laughs> After you ask, start digging into God's word. God has already spoken in the Bible. He has outlined all that we need. The Bible says all that we need for life and godliness. It is sufficient, right? So, Seek wisdom out in the place where it can be found. In the Bible generally, but Proverbs specifically. Okay? Now, some of you, I'm not trying to step on toes, but some of you, if you're honest, you know you don't consistently read God's word. You know you don't read the Bible like you should. So I just want to lovingly remind you, you have to raise your hand. I just want to lovingly remind you that if you're not humbly going to the Lord for wisdom where you know it can be found, maybe you're not really interested in being wise. Or, maybe today you're realizing that you haven't been wise, but today you want to make a change. Do it. Brother, sister, do it. We will help you. I promise. We will help you. We will walk with you in that. You don't know how to read the Bible. You came to the right place. We will help you in that. 
attending church services like this and community group and men's and women's ministry, those things are a great support. Don't neglect those things. But those things are meant to be done alongside your personal relationship with God in his word. Nothing can replace that. And so I should say this too. A true relationship with God and his word must start with Jesus. <laughs> it's got to start with Jesus. Amen. If you know that you haven't made a decision to, to really follow Jesus yet, this is your first step, friend. This is your first step. Jesus, God's word tells us, Jesus is the wisdom of God personified. He is the greater Solomon, if you will. The Bible tells us that without faith in Jesus, we're still operating in spiritual blindness. Okay? Remember, knowledge and wisdom are not the same thing. If you're really smart, you might can understand a few things in the Bible intellectually, but the insight that you need cannot be gained with IQ or smarts. The insight that you need is of a spiritual nature. Paul says, the wisdom of God is spiritually discerned. And so a relationship with Jesus is the first step to having the eyes of your heart opened so that you can begin growing in true wisdom. Amen. If you need Jesus today, will you follow him? Will you follow Jesus today for real? If you want to, come talk to me. I would love to talk with you. I would love to walk with you in that. My wife would love to walk with you. And any of our leaders would love to walk with you in that. If you want to follow Jesus, that's the first step. But I'll close with this. One philosopher said, the process of getting wisdom is like a journey through the wilderness which no one else can make for us. <laughs> the process of getting wisdom is like a journey through the wilderness which no one else can make for us. So as much as I want to help you get wisdom, and as much as I'm going to labor to that end over the course of this series, I can't make the journey for you. I can't make the journey for you. Just like a personal trainer can give you great fitness and nutrition advice, they can't eat the broccoli for you, okay? They can't eat that couscous for you. They can eat it themselves, but they can't eat it for you. They can't lift the weights for you. They definitely ain't going to run the cardio for you because they're already doing it for themselves, okay? And just like a financial planner can help you to make a solid budget so that you can live within your means, they can give you good counsel, but they can't put the money and savings for you. And they for sure can't stop that frivolous spending at Target for you. I'm here to point you to the path. I'm here to point you to the path. But whether or not you get wisdom is up to you. Let's pray. Father, God, you are so kind. You are so gracious. God, 
I am in desperate need myself for the wisdom that you give. I have not reached the finish line. I don't know everything. I don't know how to do everything. And I'm desperate. I'm like a little child. I feel like I don't even know how to go out or come in, much less handle all of the amazing things that you have given to me in my life. And Father, I pray that that mindset of Solomon, when he asked for wisdom, that that would be the shared mindset of humility for the men and women who call this their church home. And for those here today, God, who haven't taken the first step towards wisdom, which is trusting in Christ for eternal life, I pray that they would do that this morning. That they would know they they can't go further without him. These things are spiritually discerned. God, I pray that they would be bold and step up today and just have a conversation about how they really want to follow Jesus for real. (laughs) And Father, I pray that we would be a people who are diligent to get wisdom from your word, God, where we know it can be found. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.